So Gail, I'm looking in the background there and I see that you have some beautiful furniture. Is that antiques? Look it at that. is. It was my grandfather's writing desk. Oh my God, that chair and that wood. Did you have it refurbished? It looks... No, it is still in its original condition. Wow. wow. It has a few dents and dings, but makes it all the more precious. Absolutely. And precious is exactly what you are here on the edge with me. I'm so glad to have you here. Brains, I want you to welcome our guest today. Her name is Gail Dixon. She is uh, really over the top when it comes to masterful marketing, how to craft a message, how to get the right sales pitch, how to put the words together. And then she's a leader in her church. So she is a very spirited woman. She's a coach. She's a writer. She's all things Gail Dixon. Welcome her to the edge. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm just great and glad to be here with you and your faithful listeners, all the brains that are listening to you, because together all these brains are going to make a wonderful world. I'm confident of it. Well, we got to do something. You know, we got to reignite the fire because things are really going on and people are not aware. And, you know, writing, people don't really write anymore. They just kind of, you know, they don't have to worry about spelling. They don't have to worry about grammar. They don't have to worry about content. But they don't realize that someone on the other side is about to receive this information. And it's very, very important. Tell us a little bit about your writing and your writing skill and how you got involved in this. Well, I have always been just in love with the power of words. My grandfather was kind of my person in the world, the person who made me feel most special. And he was an English immigrant who worked uh, retail in a clothing store by day, but his real love in the world was acting. So mm -hmm. when I was a kid, he read me Shakespeare and Dickens and Chaucer in addition to fairy tales. And his beautiful voice, uh, you know, just made me in love with the power of words. And he, one of the things he said to me was, in life, words can do two things. Words can hurt or words can help. Yes, Make sure your words help. Yes, and so that has been part of my sense of why I'm in this world and what my work in the world is. And so I went through my professional career as a teacher, as a director of nonprofit organizations, as a communicator, <clears throat> excuse me, and writer. Right. And <coughs> Take your time. <coughs> and now I'm in my retirement business and really focusing on helping others to get their message across in the world. Well, on the front of your web page, it says creating your ripple effect. What do you mean by that? Well, it's it's the effect that your words and your message are like that first drop of water mm. or that first pebble in a pond. Mm. And when you put those out into the world, the effect of your words into the world just rolls out in ever increasing circles and out into the, out into the world. Mm -hmm. And um, that, one pond, one pebble in a pond has an effect on the whole pond. It does. And one communication can change the whole world. Right. 
And if it's not um, communicated the way that you direct it, it's like the game you used to play telephone. You know, I tell you something, you tell somebody else something, and by the time it gets to the third person, the story has changed. We need, to be, we need to be clear, we need to be concise. And one thing that I really like to share with my brains is the six critical questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. If you answer those, you've given complete information and you've received complete information. Exactly. And it's not, right, and it's not just talking, it's also receiving information. What do you coach your uh, your clients on when they're trying to craft their message to deliver to their clients? Well, first of all, my primary focus is making sure that what they are saying and what their message is, is coming from their heart. Mm. I believe that each of us, even before we're born, before we come to this planet, the divine, whatever you call it, God, source, whatever, right. whispers mm. into each of our hearts a message, a truth that we're meant to share in the world. And then when we come into the world, we live into that, trying to share that truth and share that message in all the expressions of our lives. And so it's really important to make sure that when you speak, when you're, particularly when you're speaking those important major messages in the world, that you're coming and you're speaking from the heart's voice, not from the voice of fear or the voice of ego or the voice of anger or the voice of frustration, right. but the voice of the heart. Right. And that takes deep listening. It takes quiet yes. to listen to yourself, listen to source and listen to others right because the truth is that our message is meaningless unless others can receive it and respond to it mm. and to do that we have to listen to them to know what are the words and the approaches and the intentions that are going to resonate in their hearts Right. And that are going to enable them to hear fully what it is we're trying to express. And when you're dealing with someone in business, the first thing they want to do is they want to connect with the human being before the deliverable. You know, exactly. if they have nothing, I mean, absolutely nothing in common with you, if they feel that there is intimidation, if they feel that they're being belittled or disrespected, I mean, within 30 seconds, they just turn off. And so then all of that is done in vain. And I really love what you say, that it needs to be heart-centered in whatever message you're looking to communicate. That makes beautiful sense. Beautiful sense. Right. right. And in business, you know, so often we think so much about talking about who we are and what we offer. And the truth is our most important message and the most important content of our message is not about us. It's about our customers right. and our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what we are doing is speaking in a way that tells them that we understand and we have something to offer them that will make life better for them. Value. Whether that's a product or a service or a philosophy or a teaching, 
whatever it is, the message that we first send is, I see you, I understand you, mm -hmm. and I care about you. Right. And therefore, this is what I offer. If we don't convey those first three things, I see you, I understand you, I care about you, the rest of the message falls on deaf ears. And I know when I was in customer service, it was so important to reiterate what you heard because people then know that you are engaged and you're paying attention to what they say. Exactly. You know, you know, did I hear that? Did I understand that clearly? And if not, there's your opportunity to ask those questions. Let me ask you something on the other side, though. What happens when you put out a bad message? How do you create damage control? Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes... You know, sometimes it takes a while before that echo comes back and tells you that your message wasn't received or wasn't received in the way that you intended. And again, the first thing to do when you're doing damage control is to be conscious of fixing it for the customer, not fixing it for you. It's what can I do to make things right? How did this affect you? What was, what was the issue or problem? Let me make sure I understand what you needed here. Um, and we talk often about kind of a three-step process, which is the first is take ownership, own responsibility. I may have missed the mark here. Perhaps I didn't understand you. So take responsibility, then fix it. Find what will make it right, if it will, and then move on. Mm. You know, just don't, don't hang on to it. Don't belabor it. It's not about justifying you. It's not about explaining why something happened. It's about reestablishing the relationship in a positive arc so that it can move forward. Right. Because people don't care. You know, ex excuses are like buttholes. Everybody got them and they all stink. <laughs> <laughs> And nobody wants that in business. They don't want it. They don't care about the excuses of what happened. They want no. results. They want results. And I think that's very, very powerful. So you're the author of uh, one book, but you have another book coming out. Tell us what's in the pages of your books. Uh, this is the book. It's called Masterful Messaging, Compelling Copy. Ooh, that's pretty. Harnessing cool. the Power of Words. And in this book, I really concentrate on marketing copy and talk about how to craft a headline that will grab attention, how to then craft copy that makes a good connection with your audience and establishes you as the, the brand and the, the solution that they want, and then crafting a compelling call to action. Right. So inspiring action on their part. There are some templates for developing your personal brand differentiation, your personal brand statement in the book, and lots of tips about the language to use and how to craft it so that your message has the greatest impact. And you can use this whether you're writing a speech, um, creating a landing page, putting something in your web, on your web page, creating a proposal. It's really about harnessing those words to make the best connection you can make with your customer. So let me just kind of 
throw something out at you. Talk about grabbing, excuse me, grabbing attention. Mm -hmm. When sometimes I look at people's bio and oh my God, it goes on and on and on. And you get to the fourth paragraph and that's really the meat and potatoes. Can you give us some quick tips on how to structure this? So when someone is looking at it within the first 30 seconds, it's engaging to make them want to read more. Sure. Your first sentence in a bio should state what your personal identity or what you personally are known for. So for example, in my bio, it's Gail Dixon is an, a speaker, author, and coach. So that tells you right away, what is it I do? The next sentence or two qualifies you or establishes your authority mm. as an expert. And then the next couple of sentences talk about what you do, what solutions you offer in the world, and to whom you offer them. A good bio for a media bio or a, a slick blurb can be as little as 100 to 125 words. Um, and if, if you have those words, those are the three things you need to do. You need to tell your audience who you are, why they should listen to you, or why they should pay attention to you or buy from you, and what you have to offer them, and distinguishing that. And, and, and follow key. those three steps and you have a good bio. And it's very short and it's very concise. I mean, you know, people talk about, oh, when I, you know, I got a gold medal when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> and they, they want to keep it relative, relative. Do you think that people should go in and edit? I do that. I go in and update my bio. Absolutely. I, I edit. And sometimes when I, for example, if I am submitting a proposal to be a speaker at an event, I go in and edit my bio to target it to the audience. So if I'm speaking to, for example, if I'm speaking to an audience of church leaders, I will make sure I insert something in my bio about having been um, a leader in my local church mm. for the last 25 years. Right. So it, connects me that you know edit your bio with something that connects you to the audience you're aiming at right right that's very very important so now let's talk about your leadership in the church hallelujah thank you thank you for being a faithful servant uh i don't know you know people are just from what i'm hearing i'm i'm well connected but there's a lot of people that are just kind of wavering you know i don't know if it's their faith i don't know if it's the climate of the of of what's going on what is your leadership strategy when you're talking to your parishioners? Well, I, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in a church community that I've been part of for almost 30 years. Oh, wow. And uh, many of the people who were there when I joined the church are still there. And we have a very strong bond. But one of the things that is a, a hallmark for, for me and for the folks that, that I work with in leadership is transparency and inclusivity. Mm. You know, very often, um, and churches are no different than a lot of other organizations, but very often uh, leaders tend to play things very close to the vest mm. and get insulated and isolated mm. 
from the people that they're trying to serve. Uh, my first definition of being a leader is to understand that you are a servant, not someone to be served. All right, now, that's right, that, that's it. You, know, you are there, you know, if folks trust you to elect you to a position of leadership, it is because they believe that you will carry their best interests into the work of the church. Mm -hmm. And so you have to understand and do everything that you're doing from the perspective of how does this serve? Right. right. And in a church, you're looking at serving both the Congress, well, the three things. You're looking at serving the congregation. You're looking at serving the community and the world at large. And of course, you're looking at serving God. Right. So right. you have to be sure that you have, you know, it's uh, everything you do in leadership, wherever you're a leader, mm -hmm. has to be done with intention. Yes. With clear intention, careful examination. Uh, leadership is not a place for impulsive action. <laughs> it's a place where you have to consider and think and think through repercussions and think through consequences. And, um, and sometimes take the bullet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And some, you know, sometimes that slows things down. Um, I, I am somebody who tends to make, uh, you know, to be as concerned with people as I am with product. So I want to make sure that when I am, trying to make decisions or get things done. I have listened to and spoken with everyone who might be concerned. Information is shared. And when I feel as though the people have been injected into the process enough, then we can worry about getting the task done. Right, right. Well, I'd vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's just really, really hard, but you have to be a good listener. I remember one of my mentors told me, he says, April, I want you to be a bridge that carries other people safely across. And I exactly. never forgot that. I never Exactly. So that is what it's about. It's about being in service and people pick you because they feel that they can follow you, that you make good judgment, that you make wise decisions, and that you're willing to take the fall, and that you're not just going to, you know, lead people to slaughter. So <laughs> well, I'm exactly. Glad, I'm glad exactly. that we have you there in the church. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about marketing. You know, you have a great copy, you've got a great speech, but how do you put those two things together to market to a whole new group of individuals. I mean, you know, you have a whole new audience. How do you put those two together for the recipe for success? Well, you, first of all, you find out where your people, the people that you're meant to serve, the people that you want to, to engage, where are they hanging out? <laughs> where, where are they getting their news? Are they Facebook people? Are they LinkedIn people? Do they communicate through Instagram? Where do they hang out in real life? Are right. they folks who, um, who go to conferences or not? Are they into online education? Or, you know, are they people who need to see print copy rather than uh, interacting online? So know who those people are. Uh, my friend Chris Williams, who is a dynamite uh, marketer and business development coach, 
says, you ought to know who your audience is down to their orange socks. <laughs> you ought to know that specifically who wow. they are. Wow. And so find out where they are mm -hmm. and then learn how to master those things. Do a few things well right. and master one medium before you master another. Right. You know, if you are trying to do Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and LinkedIn and Snapchat and you're doing email and all of that. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. Hey, but and you're not connecting either. I mean, you're just scattered. It's like people say, oh, well, I have to have my website. And I have to have my online program and I have to have my book. And this, people are just not going to just uh, gravitate to you like that. They want an introduction and then it's a progression. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is the best marketing medium is still the telephone. Okay. Face-to-face -face contact and the telephone. When you pick up the phone and call somebody and certainly, certainly call people before you try to sell them, call them to say, you know, just, I met you at this conference and really wanted to know more about you. Can we chat now or could we set up a coffee chat? Tell me about what things you're interested in, what you're looking for to move your own business ahead. Have those conversations before you say, will you sign up for my webinar and will you buy my program? Right, right, right. just jump right in with the, with the deal and want to close right away. Again, and you know, we've all had that happen. Somebody friends you on Facebook and the next thing you know, you have a message in Messenger with their sales pitch. And, and they don't, they don't know you. They picked you out and sent you a friend request because you were a friend with 92 of their other friends. <laughs> you know how it works. See, me, I'm not into collecting. I'm into connecting. And I exactly. make the phone call. I you make the phone call because, again, we might have to unclick brains. <laughs> okay? Well, and you I'm know, not, not everybody. I mean, the good news is there is enough business for all of us but not everybody is your cup of tea and you are not everybody's cup of tea. Nope. And just, just as you are discerning in your friends and in your partnered relationships, you also need to be discerning in your business connections. That's right. Tell and them. know where, you know, the worst thing you can do is try to fit your customer into the slot that you have available. Mm -hmm. The idea is to fit what you have into the slot the customer has, the gap that they have in their life and their needs. And if you don't fit, this connection is not meant for this time. That's right. You know, that's what a, a Navy Admiral told me one time. He says, Miss April, I'm just here to color in the white spaces. I thought, that was so cute. I thought that was so cute. I've used it over and over again. Again, it is connecting. And I think that you do a wonderful job. You have just reiterated so many things that I agree with my own philosophy about connecting with people, serving them. It's not about you. Again, like my podcast and video cast, this is not about me. This is my deliverable for my guests to stand on the stage and talk about all the wonderful things they do. I am the facilitator here. And whatever it is to make you happy and to give you good customer service. All right. And you know, that. 
you do a great job because you have such diverse guests. You do a wonderful job in finding people that your guests might not encounter otherwise. Right. You know, each one of your guests is on the podcast is somebody that your audience might not have heard of. Right. They might not have encountered in their general run of the mill, but it might fill a need for them. And, you know, there might only be one or two people listening to this podcast who need messaging assistance. <laughs> but, but if it's only one or two people and they wouldn't have found me otherwise, we've created a great service here by helping them make that connection with me. And it's going to be more than one or two for sure, because I play my, and I replay, and that's a lot of things people don't understand, you know, with podcasts, uh, they're so excited that someone's going to record my voice, but do they work you? Do they market you? Do they promote you? Do they uh, rerun your show? Do you even have a link to the show? All of these things are uh, important. This is your message. This right. is about you. You want people to connect with you. My shows, they never go old. I go in the archives every single day. I'll pull up something, if it's still relevant, a year from now, a year and a half from now, because the information is still relevant to the person who has not heard it. So right. that is very, very important. Oh, you've given me so many great tips. I just absolutely adore you. Thank you so great. much. You are speaking wisdom from grandpa's chair and his writing desk. And I can feel the energy coming through. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's really great to, to be able to connect. And Well, we can't be strangers. We've got to talk because, you know, we might have to share a stage together. People need to know that. And well, I would be honored to share a stage with you for sure. Thank you. And again, Brains, what I need you to understand is that the message is not singular. It's plural. It's different messaging, but the basis of it is the same. Those six critical questions and wonderful people like Gail Dixon can help you craft that message. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you if they want to work with you or they're looking for a dynamic speaker or they want to purchase your upcoming book. Sure. They can find me on the web at masterfulmessaging.com or email me at gail at masterfulmessaging.com. And I also have a uh, free gift for folks. Mm. So if they go to masterfulmessaging.com forward slash five, like the number five keys, I have a, a little infographic that's about five keys to mastering change. And it's about the language that you can use to talk yourself through a change process. And I thought with, with New Year's coming up and people making resolutions and saying, I'm going to do this, or this is going to be different for me. Kind of knowing what it takes to make change successful and having those five keys. And particularly for me, because I'm a specialist in messaging and language, what's the self-talk that you need to talk absolutely. yourself through What's successful change? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get it. And brains is not profanity. <laughs> okay. We talk to ourselves with love, with care, with curiosity, with kindness, and then that just spills over to everything that we do. And I'll give you another quick tip. Someone told me that if you put a piece of candy in your mouth and you're in a heated conversation, you can't say anything bad because it's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So think about holding that sweet candy in your mouth as you speak to everybody that you're meant to influence and impact. That's a great tip.
Right. You're absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for being here on the edge with me and my brains, Gail Dixon. Please come back and talk to me. I'm going to do uh, uh, the first of the year. We're going to do a roundtable and it is called a podcast potluck. So I bring in subject matter experts. We're going to talk about two or three things and you're going to be one of those people that's going to be there. That's wonderful. I'll look forward to it, April. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, brains. Have an amazing day. We're counting on you. Bye, everybody. Mm -hmm.